I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is coming off! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass, Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here in Cork. Hope you're all keeping well. Joined as always from Waterford by Murray Kinsella of the 42. How are you, Murray? I'm really good, Gav. Really excited about everything that's going to be happening over the next few days and few weeks and months. Obviously, New Zealand back in action on Saturday. The Aussies have confirmed their 12-week competition with all the fixtures. So that's more rugby every Friday and uh, Saturday from 3rd July onwards. And even now, just, just this minute, the RFU have confirmed that club rugby matches in Ireland so the AL clubs and amateur clubs will be permitted from September and they're going to announce a specific date in due course so it really is nice having that light I suppose at, at the end of the tunnel and, and it feels so real now that we're going to have rugby back so yeah really good how, how are things in Cork? Yeah very well thanks I think it's important to always have something to look forward to and that seems to be an option now again which is great Bernard Jackman how are you? Yeah, good thanks, Ben Tio's just about to come on for, for the Broncos five and a half years after leaving rugby league for, for Leinster fans. Um yeah, so I'm just I'm just uh kept keeping keeping up an eye on, on the NRL while as this weekend obviously Super Rugby's back, so that's um that's exciting. Gav Birch is just delighted because the Broncos are actually winning for the first time in a while <laughs> <and> that's <laughs> his team. They looked re- they they started really well. Murray, talk to us about uh, the AIL to begin with. I think, um, as you say, it's very fresh information as we record here, but that's just such a massive boost, really. I know we don't have a specific date and all that kind of stuff. There had been some suggestions flying around that it would be kind of constricted or restricted to firstly being a a regional competition before sort of returning to uh, rugby in an All-Ireland level. Is there any indication as to whether or not that will be the case? No, there's nothing. I'm just glancing through the... The statement which has come true there's nothing in that regard there's not really any any clarity on how it's going to work or how it'll be structured that is the chatter right that it might go regional but um as we were discussing off air with, with burn just before you know ireland's a pretty small place and if you could do it within the restrictions and the guidelines with, with COVID 19 then it'd be great to see it continue as an, an all-ireland competition um so yeah i think the clubs would be excited just to have a target i mean i know the professional players in ireland are very excited now because they have that target on August 22nd and 23rd to work towards they've their break now and they get back into pre-season and it'll be the same for the for the clubs there's a bit of guidance there now on how they can go through these stages they'll get specific dates and and for everyone in, in any walk of life really beyond rugby just having that bit of clarity is great things we can change as we know well things can change with what's going on and in the country in, in a wider scheme of things but it is really good and I'll be fascinated to see what they are if you um outline in terms of the structure of it and and what what the how the AL develops from here on in because I suppose it has been at a bit of a crossroads for the last few years its position in Irish rugby and and what it's what it's there for how the RFU themselves actually view it and, and engage with it so um definitely this is a chance to maybe have a bit more clarity there but just having it back having club rugby back is going to be brilliant in September hopefully we'll see more people than ever at games Certainly, yeah. Bernard, you've been keeping yourself busy regardless anyway, even while there hasn't been any sport happening. What was the latest in the uh, the famed group chat over the last few days? Um, yeah, we've had uh, we had a guy called um, Russell Earnshaw, uh, who's a website called The Magic Academy. 
he he presented on on Monday night about about um, gamification. So effectively, that a lot of the players that that we coach, um, you know, have been gamers either are still gamers uh, or or gamers um, in their in their teenage years, and how there's a lot of science and, and research to show that if we want to get you know really good engagement and, and really good learning, that we should adapt some of the some of the principles of of gaming um, into into our coaching sessions, things like um, you know moving up levels, um, power ups, etc. Uh, I'm not a gamer, um, so it's all double dutch to me. I need to I need to get my uh, my son Ben to explain some of it to me. But look, at it, it was it was good. It was a different, uh, quite a left field uh, discussion, and he's somebody who's you know he he looks at kind of all aspects of of, of I suppose developing um, and 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 understanding and engagement, and then. Uh, Yesterday we had a guy called Damian Hughes, the Liquid Tinker, who's you know who's wrote a couple of good books. Um, you know, uh, one is one of which is the, the Barcelona way, or yeah, or Barcelona culture. Um, and he spoke around creating a winning mindset, and he was fascinating to be honest. Uh, we have been kind of it's the first time we've gone outside of of coaching, uh, really. Uh, um, and you know, he so he's a guy who's come from he's an academic. He, he lectures in. In Manchester University on an MBA program, um, he's a professor of organisational change, and he's he's done a lot of research on on culture, but also on on creating a winning mindset. And his father was a was a boxer, a boxing coach in in Manchester. So he's kind of grown up, um, he's grown up around uh, boxers and and boxing coaches, uh, and it's fascinating, like really really interesting. I recommend. He's got a great podcast at the moment, um, high performance podcast, where he's had guys like uh, Sean Dyche and. Um, you know Chris Hoyes, the the, the cyclist, and, and really gets into some great conversations with with successful athletes. And tomorrow we've uh, we've a guy called Trev Reagan who has a a, a podcast, uh, the Learning Labs um, or the Learner Lab, and uh, the idea is that he's going to teach us how we learn ourselves better, and also how we can hopefully create better learning environments for our players. So not really the the nuts and bolts of rugby, but um, we just felt it was go off road for a week and and kind of um, you know try and stimulate the mind in, in a different way. From your point of view, um, like, is there a, an awful lot of organisation involved in that? Because obviously we've seen the names and all that kind of stuff. Just in terms of scheduling, no, no, we just. Uh, um, in fairness, I don't have time to be to be really organising much. So effectively, what we do is uh, like it's. It's incredible the power of, of, of LinkedIn and stuff. So you know, we had a chat about who we'd like to bring in this week, and um, the, the lads said, you know, Damien Hughes was someone that the lads had already kind of read some books and listened to some podcasts on. So they mentioned him, and then I've been following um, this Trevor Reagan guy, uh, listened to his, pod, his podcast. So I said, well, I have a guy in mind that I think is pretty pretty interesting around learning. So yeah, two. Two emails or well, a LinkedIn message and an email, and, and the lads straight away said, "Yeah, we're up for it." And we, we kind of made them fit into our schedule, so we we literally go at half seven, um, half seven in, in the morning uh, for an hour and fifteen minutes, and that fits in nice European time, so Irish time, and that fits in well with the with the lads in in Australia, uh, South Africa, um, uh, Japan, and New Zealand because uh, it's their yeah. evening time. Uh, so we kind of don't really. Um, Go off that, and then, then it's just a case of sending sending a WhatsApp saying, "Lads, we're on, we're on tomorrow." Uh, Trevor Reagan from Learner Labs 
is is uh, is presenting and uh, here's the zoom details and you know if you can make it great and that's that's pretty much it to be honest so um yeah it's it's very low maintenance thankfully um and uh, yeah and then and then next week we'll have uh, yeah we'll have speakers from within the group again um so yeah it's good brilliant brilliant Murray, speaking of the lads down in the Southern Hemisphere, as we touched upon on the top of the show, New Zealand, it's back. Uh, we waxed lyrical a little bit about Dan Carter's return last week, but it all feels that little bit more tangible now that we are approaching kickoff. For anybody who hasn't really been paying attention to what's going to go on in New Zealand uh, over the next few weeks, can you just give a quick kind of a, a lowdown as to how the competition within New Zealand is going to work? Yeah, absolutely. It's 10 weeks, essentially, of competition, two games every match weekend. So you've got the five Kiwi franchises. Each weekend, one of them will have a bye and the other four will will play in two games on Saturdays and Sundays. The kickoff times were actually tweaked just very recently. The Saturday kickoff times, it's going to be 8.05 a.m. our time. And then the Sunday kickoff times is going to be 4.35 a.m. So that's obviously going to be one for the, the hardcores, but there's going to be repeats. So People will be able to watch them a bit later in the day on Sky Sports. Um, and it's going to be some of the very best players in the world with the very best coaches in the world competing against each other. When we watch Super Rugby, invariably the Kiwi derbies are the really standout games. The best quality, most exciting attacking rugby, really good invention and creativity. And as I said, so many good individual players. So really, this is this is dream stuff for, for your, your big rugby fan. Even looking at the the first game uh, on Saturday it's going to be Highlanders playing the Chiefs as we we should also mention that there's there are going to be fans in the stadium and uh, New Zealand is obviously into their alert level one so there's no restrictions on mass uh, groups uh, and mass attendances at sporting events so they've already sold over 50,000 tickets for the two games this coming weekend Highlanders Chiefs on Saturday as I said in Dunedin and then Blues versus Hurricanes at Eden Park up in Auckland on Sunday um, and the teams are in we have we have a team naming for the first time in what three months uh, and it's really exciting I saw the the little graphic on Twitter this morning when I woke up and I genuinely uh, had a bit of glee looking at it um, and the names like Damien McKenzie you've got Anton Leonard Brown um, all these brilliant players Aaron Smith obviously for the Highlanders uh, there's so many exciting young talents to watch out for as well I think that's something that people who are probably tuning in with more attention than ever will will really appreciate. We know that New Zealand rugby has a conveyor belt and you're going to see some of those talents over the, the next couple of weekends. So really there's a whole lot to look forward to. The the number of storylines, as you mentioned, Dan Carter being back, I don't think we're going to um, see him play quite the integral role for the first few weeks anyway as he gets up to speed. It, it sounds like um, Bowden Barrett might actually be at 15. Liam Napier of the New Zealand Herald is reporting he might be at 15 in their first game, but... There's that coming into it. The Crusaders trying to retain their title as the the top dogs after winning three Super Rugby crowns in a row. Highlanders are trying to bounce back from a really miserable start to this year. Um, the Chiefs under Warren Gatland, of course, uh, really interesting to watch them earlier on this year and maybe a slightly more pragmatic edge to their game combined with that obvious attacking quality and, and ability to open up. There's, there's a huge amount. I think the most important question to answer, though, and this is the only one that anyone ever asks is what time is it on and and what channel is it on so if you want to watch on saturday morning it's on sky sports main event and sky sports action at 805 a.m irish time and they're going to repeat that on sky sports action at midday and then the game on sunday as i said is 4 35 a.m on sky sports main event sky sports action and then you get a rerun at 10 a.m and again at 2 p.m on, on sky sports action so loads of chances to watch it and loads of reasons to watch it absolutely amazing work there with the 
audible search engine optimization post. Who is Murray Kinsella <laughs> and what is his net worth? Um, Bernard, you know it's getting serious when Murray is breaking out the love heart emojis on Twitter. Uh, how excited are you first and foremost? And is there a, a team or any particular players that you are looking forward to seeing the most uh, when it does return in a couple of yeah, days? Yeah, well, I think, I think Murray mentioned I'm, I'm fascinated by the Blues. I, we spoke about them last week and and just seeing if they can they can turn the corner. But also, I think from a, a tactical point of view, you know, Murray touched on it, the, the, the Chiefs are playing, a, a, I suppose, a less super rugby type of, of, of game and, and kind of Gats has definitely brought some of the elements that, you know, made him so successful in, in international rugby in terms of, um, I suppose, how pragmatic they are. And I think that's, that's going to be fascinating. And, you know, let's not forget the Sharks, you know, we're doing pretty well. Um, you know, before before the lockdown, with a, a, a you know a very kick based game as well. So just what the coaches have got up to over the last um, like it's basically been a uh, I suppose an off season and, and a pre season for coaches without having the players completely in. So they haven't had a huge amount of time with the players collectively, but um, they certainly had a chance to recess um, after the the initial period and you know fine tune. Fine tune area of the games, areas of the game that, that wasn't working for them. So yeah, that's going to be be fascinating. Seeing how how good a condition the players come back in. I mean, you know, we're chatting off there. The the NRL players have come back uh, now. Fairness, they had less time off, but they um their you know their performance levels in terms of their athleticism, in terms of their endurance and skill set has been outstanding. And, and uh, you know, I I've I no reason to believe the, the Kiwi teams won't get back into it. You know, really quickly, and you know, there's all kinds of talks of fellas, you know, getting PBs on um, in their in their testing when they came back, which is testament to their professionalism. And I think their bodies as well. I mean, you know, they they will have had a, a, a really good break without without any contacts con- or contact. So they should be really fresh and um, ready to go. And yeah, I'm just I just can't wait to to see it to be honest. And, and the Aussies as well, getting getting some competition structure. And um, for them, that's really important. They're, they've been in a in a really bad place, but um, you know potentially this uh, local local derbies in in both Australia and New Zealand will bring people out that have maybe lost a little bit of love of, the, of Super Rugby, and uh, you know it could be a turning point for for you know really viable uh, financial uh, financially viable competitions in these countries. That's a really interesting point, Bernard. About sorry, Gav, about the. The players haven't had a break. The really interesting one in that regard is Bowden Barrett because he's had a, a long break um, since the World Cup. Obviously, he got that sabbatical and now he's going to come back at it. You mentioned the fitness tests. Like he, he smashed the Blues PB for the Bronco test with just what, four minutes, 12 seconds. Pretty remarkable stuff. And I'd say he's benefited hugely from that breather, the chance to refresh himself. Probably while he was on a, a break, I'm sure he's studied the game and thought about his game and and how he's going to go at it and become even better. Like we're getting one of the great players, like, you know, one of arguably the most enjoyable road players of all time, just to watch. He's just fun. He's quick. He's exciting. He's got an amazing skill set and, and really composed on the ball to have him back playing rugby is going to be absolutely thrilling. So there's just one of, of many points to, to watch out for. Yeah. And Bernard, as you were saying there, it could produce viable competitions, plural, in that neck of the woods. So while it could be a turning point, it could be a turning point towards a kind of a, a segregation or a, a splitting up possibly of Super Rugby 2. Like, could you foresee that being a reality or could you see that 
if these derbies are as successful as they look like they might be, that it might kind of reinvigorate a a more um, all-encompassing competition involving all of the countries? No, it looks like I, don't, I think that... Uh, well, some ones are obviously gone for the moment, so that's uh, that's one team out. I I think the future will be in in a in in an Australian um, Kiwi competition with obviously less travel, lots of lots of local derbies. Um, the South Africans either will have to do something internally or, or try to get into Europe. Um, I, and the Jaguaris are you know they're a little bit left out in the cold and, and might have to hope that the the competition in the Americas in America picks up and they get some kind of tie in there but I think that the players don't want you know the the travel that they've been subjected to over the last um seven or eight years particularly with the addition of the of the Jaguaris and and um I think this this lockdown has has proven uh, has given the, the or everybody a chance to to stop and kind of um you know take stock and uh you know I wouldn't be surprised if if that's the way it's going to end up um over the next couple of years where you know, there's less less flight time. You know, the Aussies and the Kiwis get their rivalry going. Obviously, big focus on on uh, on the inter inter intercountry derbies, um, and you know, and I said the South Africans um, go back to a Curry Cup type uh, where the Curry Cup becomes huge again, which you know was a great competition in its own right. Or there's some there's some link into 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 Europe with the, as I said the Jaguaris unfortunately being maybe the victims in this, but. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see what, what I just don't think for player welfare point of view, for cost point of view, um, that we'll see Super Rugby long term in, in in the same format that we've become used to. The South Africans are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, really, Murray, or or maybe trapped in no man's land is a better way of putting it. In that they probably are unwanted within the context of a a Super Rugby competition, but like there'd be European teams and probably entire European leagues looking at their potential introduction up there in some way, shape or form, the way the two franchises were introduced to the Pro 14 and shaking their heads thinking, listen, we don't want to travel that far either, you know? Yeah, it is a, it's a fascinating one to be resolved over the next few years. And I guess the rumours and the speculation around further South African teams joining the Pro 14 or Pro 18, as it might turn out to be, that's not going away. And and even this week, the South African rugby CEO, uh, Jory Rue, he wasn't very convincing in, in his attempt to deny it. It's certainly something that's been looked at. And certainly in terms of the, the time difference, it makes a lot more sense uh, in terms of the TV market for South Africa to link with Europe. You're essentially in the same time zone, an hour's difference. And and it makes sense when you're trying to make those broadcast deals because South Africa, as we know, is a rugby-mad country. Now, obviously, you wouldn't have the historical element of the teams they're playing against any sort of rivalries building up but you can build that quickly and if you market the sport intelligently i think you can do that in a short space of time Uh, it feels almost like an opportunity it just hasn't worked in terms of the super rugby like we know in the rugby championship or tri nations as it was those rivalries were superb at test level and you probably don't want to lose that you want the the springboks playing against the the kiwis and the aussies every year if possible that looks possible with the the nation's championship probably launching but the super rugby side of it hasn't really been a success um and hasn't quite captured the imagination because of the time difference i'd say in, in many stages where matches are on all over the place and you can't really get into it so i think commercially it, it would make sense for them to link and um, I'd, I'd be fascinated to see how that how that develops and it certainly hasn't been dismissed I, like speaking to the Pro 14 off the record when they announced the recent CBC thing there was obviously no mention of South Africa rugby 
in the the statements and stuff but off the record they're saying listen south africa is very much in the forefront of our thinking and and they've gone on the record as well to say they would like to expand that side of it yeah it's not ideal for teams jumping on a flight but the way you've, you've seen them do it on a, a tour basis has been okay or else you go to a bit of a conference system where if you had all those south african teams in the the pro 14 or pro 18 they'd play their own conference and then you'd link up for playoff games there's there's a few possibilities there um and i think it's increasingly looking like they're the south african rugby is looking towards europe murray i've just taken a note there never tell murray anything off the record <laughs> <laughs> i didn't quote my source so that's okay note note made, note made. <laughs> <laughs> i'd never betray you birch Virtue, uh in fairness as murray says there so for all of the um like perspective added travel for a pro 14 club and and that kind of thing there are ways around it and like really if you did it as a, a kind of a tour system as the pro 14 clubs have been doing you could conceivably just add on one extra week onto your travel or or an extra maybe two weeks and an extra game which isn't maybe the end of the world like how do you foresee this from a kind of a european or northern hemisphere point of view uh, the, the potential of these south african four extra south african teams joining the pro 14 Look, the, the the advantage would be you're getting bigger, bigger um, franchises. You know, you're getting, you know, the Stormers, um, the Bulls, um, the, the Lions, and the Sharks, or, or you know, you're getting some form form of those. So that's probably that's probably attractive. You know, you're getting teams who are being competitive, um, you know, in in Super Rugby and, and and successful franchises or or historic teams for a long time. Whereas the Cheetahs, in fairness. Um, you know, we're trying to build that, but they, you know, they were never that well supported, really. And you know, the Kings, you know, had been in Super Rugby before, but it's a, it's a relatively new, um, you know, new professional rugby team, and they've had some problems uh, financially. So, you know, I think that's a different element. You know, the Stormers coming to Toma Park, or the Bulls, you know, and the Bulls at the moment, I don't know if you've been following it, have you know, have suddenly got um, some investment, huge investment, in fact, and, and Jake White's gone in there, and he's. He's got a checkbook out and they're putting together, you know, a, a really good uh, roster. So, um, you know, that that's what that's what the Pro 14 or Pro 18 needs. It, it needs quality teams who can go toe to toe with the um, with the current top four or five. And uh, if that happens, I think you know fans will will you know will engage in it and and, and um, rivalry will be built up and, and excitement built up. Um, but yeah, it has to be. They have to be the right the right teams and the, um, with the right funding. And um, with international quality players, uh, you know, playing against the best players in Europe. If not, um, you know, there was rumours before the Grickers were going to come in. Um, and, you know, while that might be good for South Africa uh, in terms of, you know, giving them another professional side, I don't think they'd add a huge amount to, to the competition as it is. So um, I think it's got to be a huge focus on quality. And, you know, if South Africa do cut ties with, with the Super Rugby as we know it, you know, um, uh, I, I could see it being being a success because um, you know there's humble, they're the world champions, great great country with a rugby tradition, and um, you know they could be valuable additions to it. But it, again, it has to be with their best players and the best teams. You'd imagine they'd have to be involved at European level then at some point as well, Murray. Though, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been like touted as well, hasn't it? You mean in terms of the the Springboks potentially in the Six Nations or whatever. Um... Yeah, I, I, it'd be interesting to see how that would work and, and figuring it all out and all the moving parts is, honestly, it's quite tricky and, and there's a working group assembled by World Rugby at the moment to try and do that and uh, align the calendars a bit more and, and certainly it seems like 
we'll have something in that direction anyway at the end of this this crisis and this break for rugby and, and that'll be brilliant as well if we get a um a greater sense of the the game actually being all on the same season and and, and not confusing that way so that'd be positive i, I don't know what'll happen with the spring box uh, is there space in the six nations like they'd obviously add to it in a rugby sense they'd add massively to it but as i said those rivalries with with the aussies and the kiwis are, are outstanding and and this the rugby championship potentially developing to bring uh fiji and japan in as well like that would be a really excellent competition uh, at that stage um so yeah watch this space um is very much the case here and what about uh, eddie jones sticking with the southern hemisphere team theme uh linked to the sharks but not the sharks to whom bernard alluded there a few moments ago yeah this is a really odd rumor i just saw it before we came on um one of the australian i think it's the telegraph in australia is reporting that he's one of the candidates to take over the Cronulla sharks in rugby league which would obviously uh, be a big change but he's certainly a man for a challenge and he's certainly a man who's shown he's able to evolve and adapt and obviously an expert in coaching itself and a, a big rugby league fan no doubt has been studying the game during the last couple of weeks as well um that'd be an interesting one but yeah eddie jones always has a couple of surprises up his sleeve i'd say uh, he'll, he's obviously with england for another another while there um but uh i can i can imagine him all right uh shifting shape again another time and probably causing a bit of controversy with a few headlines from the nrl so that'll be fun <laughs> he'd definitely fancy it all right at some stage bernard wouldn't he Oh yeah, look at he. I think he loves um, he loves the game, and he he thinks he spends a lot of time, you know, watching it to try and you know find find the elements of it he can bring into into his coaching or into rugby union. Um, Michael Check is actually working with the Roosters at the moment in the NRL. Um, he's he's doing some PD, but he's 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 full time personal development, but he's full time with the Roosters helping. Uh, I think the coach is Trent Trent Robinson uh, around areas like culture and. Apparently, he's doing a lot of one-on-one mentoring and stuff. And uh, you know, so the, look at it. I think for the um, for the Aussie Rugby Union players, they've they've always had a um, an eye or a, a, I suppose a um, a love for 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 rugby league because it's such a big game in in, uh, in Australia. And someone like Eddie Jones, you know, he he he'd love a challenge. It's a big call. I mean, you know, um, Clive Woodward went to went to football, but was in a you know, wasn't the the manager of Southampton and was more down with the academy, I think, at the start. So um, it'd be a huge call from any NRL club to to give a, a rugby union coach, you know, even a rugby union coach is successful and as as bright as Eddie Jones, the the head coach job there. But uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be certainly fascinating and make it make it even more interesting to watch. I think. In bad news, Birch, the Broncos are losing now. Sorry, yeah. it's twenty eighteen. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's there's three minutes left. Um, yeah, look, I think for Sebo, the coach, um, just. He'll take he'll take any he'll take positives out of just being competitive. They've obviously shipped a hundred points in the last two games, and uh, while obviously it'd be good to lose, having been what eighteen four down, um, eighteen four up. I think you know they've shown a bit of bite today, and that's that'll be a start. Fair juice to them. Uh, a man with a new job closer to home, Murray Jerry Flannery off to Harlequins. Seems like a a really cool opportunity for him, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a really interesting move. Um, and joining a club that seems really ambitious and has put together a what looks like a really exciting coaching group. Paul Gustard is obviously the head of rugby, as they term it. They have a bit of different terminology over there. Um, he came from the England setup, obviously a renowned defensive coach, and wanted probably to have that um, the overseeing role and in charge of everything there. Nick Evans, who we know as a player, the Kiwi out half, he's now the attack and backs coach. And they've shown long, speaking of rugby league, like he was a, obviously a 
unbelievable rugby league player he's now working in their coaching team without any background really in union he's focusing specifically on running lines and the creation of numerical advantages as per the webs web the official website so um, probably trying to bring some of those little rugby league traits into harlequin's attacking play really interesting role adam jones the legendary adam jones who was a prop who loved a drop goal he's the, the scrum coach and now flannery comes in with the title of line out coach um and obviously like he'll be working closely with jones around the the scrum and the rest of the forward stuff but he'll obviously add more than than just a line out albeit being an expert in, in that area so it looks like a really good coaching team to be part of and a really good opportunity for him i think something different you know he left monster last year it's a chance to do something different experience a different coaching culture a different club as well um and even getting away from ireland and being in a different league i, I think that's a good thing he's mentioned actually that is his wife's family is from Guildford, so the move makes sense for them in that in that way as well, and and will help his family obviously settle in and make life easier from uh, away from the rugby. So that's all really good, and like by all accounts, he's a really promising coach. The guys who worked with him in Munster speak very highly of him, and as we know from listening to him and watching him on TV, he's very astute, really good eye for the game, and has clearly spent a lot of time working on that side. So I think it's really exciting and really good to see. He said the RFU of already been in contact to to kind of point out that they they do want to keep that element of um communication alive with him as well and and clearly a, a coach of of great promise and having done some good work in munster um so for me it looks like a really good move yeah bernard it's uh it seems like a really exciting coaching setup to be involved in like big personalities but young coaches as well and a good few of whom are, are kind of either just starting out really in, in union or trying to make their way across from league like there's a kind of a feeling of um i don't know it just it feels like a new beginning for quinn's really doesn't it absolutely and uh um i think gustard is you know he's had a difficult enough start i think he's he's come in from obviously the saracens model and and england model and and you know, trying to put his own stamp on it, and and now he's he's getting a chance to put um, his own staff together. And uh, obviously, Toby Booth left to go to um, to go to Ospreys as a head coach. That opened up an opportunity. I had actually two friends who were on the shortlist for uh, for 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 this job, and uh, you know, they went through a really thorough um, process. And uh, I think you know. Uh, two guys who, who I know were looking for it, um, you know, would be very impressive candidates, very impressive coaches, and uh, you know, I think it's testament to Jerry's, you know, quality that that he got us. And while uh, you know, as you say, it's it's tight as lineup coach. I mean, there's so much he can add um, in and around the group, whether it's whether it's breakdown, whether it's carry, whether it's just, I suppose, his ability to to influence, um, you know, some of the younger Quinn players and the older Quinn players around, you know, what it takes to win. I mean, you know, he's a uh, He's the you know the ultimate professional, uh, very bright. You know, obviously I only knew him as a player, um, but I did some some TV stuff with him over the last year, and and uh, you know I was blown away by his his detail and his passion for it. So I'm not surprised at all that he's he's going back in, and and I think it's a great opportunity. I mean, for a young head coach like Gustard, who um, you know who's got lots of experience, but probably finding his way as a head coach, and then. Um, you know, Adam Adam Jones is a top man. Sean Long, um, you know, by all accounts, is is a bit of a genius. You know, and obviously trying to find a way of of bringing that to rugby union. Um, and Nick Evans as well. I've had some dealings with him, and and uh, you know, he's he's part of that coaching setup. So you're you're look, you've got five outstanding uh, coaches in in the group. And another guy actually interesting, Billy Millard. 
um, who was involved with Cardiff Blues and Connacht for a while, he's in there as kind of team manager, head of recruitment retention, a role similar to Guy Easterby's in uh, in Leinster. So they've got um, yeah, they've got a lot of experience. You know, the fact that he's got a link family-wise with London will will make the transition easier. And uh, you know, Felix bounced back pretty well, Felix Jones, and uh, you know, I think it'd be great to see Jerry. Um, you know, just just go on and be successful there and, and uh, continue on his journey. Absolutely. More power to him. And I'm sure we'll be hearing plenty from him over there as well. Um, Murray, the one thing you'd say is that while it does seem to be a new dawn for Quinns, Jerry's probably going into a league that's uh, in an element of disarray at the moment with the pay cut controversy. Um, if people haven't been keeping an eye on that as it's unfolded, because there have been a couple of twists and turns with it, could you just give us a, a kind of a rundown of what's been going on uh, particularly after the players agreed to take a, a temporary 25% cut voluntarily. Yeah, it's it's been a really interesting story to follow and it all stems from, I guess, the Saracen scandal and how they uh, breached the salary cap over a, a couple of seasons and have resulted in them being relegated into the championship for next season. There was a review into the salary cap and based on the rec- recommendations that review, the Premiership clubs have unanimously agreed to reduce the salary cap temporarily uh, we must add, but it's from the 2021-22 season all the way through until 23-24. Um, and basically, it's going to go down from 6.4 million down to 5 million as a salary cap. Um, you're going to still have two marquee players outside that um, for the first season, but beyond that, they'll reduce it down to one. Um, and then from 24-25, they go back up to a salary cap of 6.4 million. So essentially, the clubs over the next few years which is obviously going to be difficult given what we've been through or are still going through with COVID-19, will reduce their spending on, on player salaries and, and the players will obviously be affected by that. They've obviously had, as you mentioned, a 25% pay cut in, in many places during the COVID-19 outbreak and, and with rugby on pause. Um, and as you would expect from any union, really, I suppose, the Rugby Players Association have, have come out quite strongly against what's been happening with the salary cap. They've understandably taken a huge issue with not being involved in the discussions really um they say their members so all premiership players all these english guys have been treated with an absolute disregard and they've kind of threatened a a significant legal dispute in their own words so that would be strike essentially the players are are unhappy that they weren't involved in in these discussions that resulted in in their salaries essentially being reduced for for many of them and obviously different clubs We'll have different procedures and how they get that salary cap down but um it's obviously not going to be good for what what players earn uh we've discussed this before that the current period was probably going to result in salaries being reduced across the board in the game um but you would have probably always expect a, a union an association like this to obviously stick up for their members um, and that's what's happening now and it just seems like um it just seems like a situation that maybe could have been if not totally avoided, well then improved by having the players in those discussions. So it is a bit messy at the moment, um, and it'll be interesting to see how the how strongly the players stick to these, I suppose, threats of of legal dispute. Yeah, Bernard, I don't know if I'm just inspired by what's been going on across the globe over the last couple of weeks, but if I was a player in this situation, I would absolutely strike. Like I don't know how on earth you can stand by and just have other people sort of make these you know potentially life-changing decisions in some instances for you without consulting you or your union in any way shape or form i, I think it's absolutely wild stuff 
Yeah, it's it's um, it's pretty bad uh, relationship management, uh, and maybe it's it, it, I suppose it's probably got it's definitely got the players back up, uh, not just from the financial side, which I think they all would be, you know, reasonably understanding that it's a, it's a different landscape, but just the manner and the lack of respect um, for them as as people, but also you know in terms of what they're contractually entitled to, you know, so realistically. Um, you know, for them, you know, they they understand that as they renegotiate any any contracts, you know, it's a different market. But the, you know, they have contractual rights at the moment, so um, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, you know, the the players' union had have kind of come under a little bit of pressure and, and a bit of criticism from you know Ellis Jen Ellis Jen's a little while ago. You know, was talking about a you know a rival union if they didn't feel they're being represented properly. So it's a big one for them. But I just don't I don't see. You know, if, if what we're reading in the press from the players' union is true and accurate around, you know, how little involvement they've had, um, I, I think it's it's really poor. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but Bristol have Bristol had come out, I think, three or four weeks ago and said that they, um, you know, they didn't support the the reduction of the salary cap. But I think this morning or, or last night they they've come out and said they do. So all the clubs are are, are kind of working together, stick together. Um, and the players are going to be the ones who who suffer, really. You know, so it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I agree with you. I think strike is a, you know, is is a realistic uh, option, and and uh, we could be looking at that. And um, you know, particularly while COVID's on, you know, with COVID still around, you know, will they will they refuse to go back to train um, for health reasons, etc.? It's just going to be it's going to be messy, and um, you know, it's, it, the sooner it gets resolved, the better. But Hopefully they they sit down together and actually, you know, work it out rather than just impose something um, without any communication. Yeah, it'd be the last thing I suppose people making the rugby calendar would need. Murray is uh, a, a kind of an added or, or extra delay to the Premiership season. Do do you see a strike as being likely? I know it's kind of speculative for now, but um, like how realistic an option is it for the players or? Is it kind of more so an empty threat? Like, would there be negative connotations to striking that that might not um, be of benefit to them ultimately? Like, you're not playing rugby after a a fairly long stint of not playing it to begin with. Yeah, I think that eagerness to get back playing rugby is probably counting against going on strike. Like, every single one of the players who's been on a break is just desperate to get back out there. The frustration is that they they had felt that... um, they'd be going back up to their regular wage, obviously, for next season. And and the salary cap reduction is for the 22-22 season rather onwards. So, they, you know, as per the agreement, they would go back to their regular wage for, for this current upcoming season. Um, and so that might make it a bit easier for the, the many of the players just to go, right, let's get back playing and, and get back earning our, our regular salaries. Um, that might count against it. But it, there certainly is a lot of strong stuff coming out in the in the UK press uh, about the unhappiness of it um, so it wouldn't massively surprise me if there was more on this hopefully though they can get an agreement in place because I think everyone's looking forward to, their target date is, is mid-August as well and uh, I think everyone would be excited to get more even more rugby back on, on the pitch as well so fingers crossed that the players can work that out and and get what they feel they deserve as well as acknowledging that it is obviously a very tricky time for, for the sport and that Premiership Rugby like the Premiership clubs have been losing huge amounts. I mean, the report itself into the salary cap, I think the figure was 89 million um, just over the last couple of years that Premiership clubs have have lost, essentially. They're not money-making businesses, so there probably does need to be a change there. 
Um, but hopefully it can work out in a fair and balanced way for all parties. Yeah, the concern, Bernard, when there a, when a structural change like that needs to be made is that a league or an organisation can use this moment and seize it, um, and I guess uh, you know make that change um, as a result, claiming it to be as a result of of a pandemic or what have you. But actually, they needed to make the change anyway, and this is just an excuse. Like we know, obviously, clubs are bleeding money at the moment, particularly now, but. You don't know, I suppose, from a player's perspective, you'd be kind of wondering, like, are they just, um, are they leaning too heavily on this and, and just doing something they wanted to do anyway, if that makes sense? Yeah, obviously the players will, will certain players will will feel that that's, that's, that's the case. And, um, you know, they, you know, they signed up to the contracts that players currently have, you know, in the knowledge that they weren't profit-making businesses and, and, and chasing, chasing success. And, and obviously... Particularly the clubs that have, you know, the really wealthy benefactors, um, you know, they will feel that there's a there's an onus on on, on them to um, I suppose to back to back what they've contractually agreed to. So look, I just think at the moment, you know, it's been played out in the press. There's there's no engagement, um, there's a lack of trust, um, you know, which are all uh, pretty diabolical um, in their own right uh, in, in terms of. Kind of creating something that's sustainable and 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 enjoyable to be part of. So um, they definitely need to get into a room and and start to have some face to face conversations and 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 get it sorted. Looking forward to getting into a room with G Gents and having some face to face conversations, maybe in a, a month or two. But that was a pleasure as always. Thank you, Birch. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Murray, as well. Cheers, Gav. I uh, hope everyone enjoys the rugby. It's back. It is back. Yes, indeed. I mean, I don't need to do a sign-out after that. Everybody enjoy it, and we'll be back next week. Until then, take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, oh, oh.